listening to Sunday Sermons from Warren Community Church. If you'd like to learn more about us, visit warrencommunitychurch.org. We're going to continue our study as we go through the book of Romans today. We're going to talk about a subject that um, is not a subject that any of us like to talk about. In Romans chapter 1, that was really bad news. It tells us that man is without excuse. Romans chapter 2 says it doesn't matter what your pedigree is. Doesn't matter who you are, where you've come from, where you've been. Romans chapter 3 says, There's none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 4 says, It doesn't matter if you think you are a son of Abraham. You're not a son of Abraham unless you've been born again. And then Romans chapter 5 gives us a little bit of good news and says that even while we were yet enemies, Christ died for us. And then in Romans chapter (laughs) 6, Whew! We're told that things are getting even worse for us. Romans chapter 6 describes for us, says this, we are to reckon ourselves dead. Romans chapter 7 talks about the struggle and the, uh, that every one of us experiences every day, that wrestle. That which I want to do, I don't do. That which I shouldn't do, I always do. And oh, uh, as, as Paul cries out, who can deliver me from this wretch that I am? And it's only through Jesus Christ can we be delivered. Romans chapter 8 then tells us that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for those who walk by the Spirit and not by the flesh. We have hope. But then last week, you know, Pastor Matthew preached for us and told us about how we've been adopted into God's family. Isn't that, wasn't that great news? I tell you, adoption is something that's very special. It means that someone else had to do all the work and we were worked upon. In other words, we received the blessing. God did it all for us. And we now can stand with great assurance that our faith is solid and secure and that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. But it's one of those buts in the Bible. Romans 8 also says that just because you've been adopted, just because you've been delivered, just because you are a saint of God, just because Christ has done all of this for you, don't think that you're going to get through this life without some problems. I'm here to talk to you today about some problems. Now, I don't want to be negative about this. I really don't. But what I want to do is to prepare us for what you and I will face as Christians, what we have already faced and what we're going to face. Listen, nowhere in scripture that I've ever been able to read does it tell us that things are gonna get better. Y'all reading the same Bible I am, right? There was an amen that needed to be there. Where does it tell us that we're gonna be delivered from all of our problems? Nowhere that I know of. 
In fact, the Bible says, and think about this, the only perfect human being that ever walked on this earth was the incarnate Son of God, Jesus Christ, and they crucified him. And he warns us over and over and over again. Paul tells us that we have got to have the armor of God on every day. Because if we don't, the enemy will destroy us. In fact, he says we need to be prepared. And if you'll notice on that armor, there is no armor on the backside. We are to go face to face with that enemy and take the word of God and let the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, defeat the enemy in every aspect of our lives. So we're going to talk about today suffering and glory. Read with me in Romans chapter 8, verses 17 and 18. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. And if children, y'all children today of God? All right, say amen. amen. And you're also heirs of God, amen? Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. That would be a good place for a hallelujah. But you know what? When you take on Christ, guess what the next word says? If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. Our suffering with him and taking on the identity of Jesus Christ and living in a world that hates Jesus Christ and living in a system that hates Jesus Christ, that has replaced God with every type of secular humanism and every type of atrocity that parades itself down the street, prideful in itself, everything that is against what the Word of God says, we have to face it and realize that you and I as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Word of God, we are going to face difficulty. It's going to be something like you have never seen before. You think it's 2020 has been bad. You wait for 2021, 22, 23, and 24. You better gird up your loins. You better put the helmet of salvation on. If you're not saved here this morning, let me say to you something. You need to get saved today, right now. In fact, I think we probably need to do an invitation right now. Amen? If you're not saved today, you need to get saved today. You say, why? Because I want to tell you, it is going to be more difficult and more difficult and more difficult to come to the Lord Jesus Christ because the gospel is going to be quenched. And you and I are going to, you and I are going to be in a place to where we are going to put our lives at risk, our families at risk, our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honors. Because what you and I believe is going to be something that is going to be spitting in the face of where we're headed. J.I. Packer said this, what does it mean to suffer? Getting what you do not want while wanting what you do not get. 
There are various metaphors in the scripture for suffering. Isaiah 48 and verse 10 talks, and 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7 talk about a refining fire. They just sang that song, there's another one in the fire. You remember that story, Nebuchadnezzar? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the king said, you know, they refused to do what the king said. Now, you and I are, are told in 1 Peter and also in Romans chapter 13 that we're to obey the king. But it also says there we're only to obey the king if the king lines up with God. And if the king doesn't line up with God, then we need to take a stand. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, King, what you want us to do will violate everything we believe. Therefore, we will not bow to what you want. And because they wouldn't bow and they wouldn't bend, therefore, they could not burn. Because you know who was in the fire with them? The Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the only thing that burnt off of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was the only, the only thing that burnt off of them was what the world had put on them. And that was the, the ropes and things they had them tied with. That's the only thing that burned. They didn't even smell like smoke when they came out of there. Not one hair on their head was singed. Refining fire. You and I are going to go through some refining fire. If you don't have the fire retardant on, you're going to be in trouble. Isaiah talks about overflowing waters. In Isaiah 43 and verse 2. And in John chapter 16, verses 20 through 22, it talks about birth pains. Now we guys, we can't identify with that. In fact, we probably need our ladies to preach this part right here. What does it mean to have a birth pang? I asked my wife one time, I said, honey, what is a, a birth pang like? She said, well, take your upper lip and pull it up over to the back of your head and that's just getting started. I said, thank you, Lord, for making me a male. So let me ask you, how, how then, here's the question, how then does suffering fit within the broad context of the spiritual life? Well, there's a relationship of suffering to the Christian life. Verse 17 tells us there. What types of suffering do we, do we face? Well, there's suffering that is the direct result of our own sin. And I want to tell you, that is hard to bear. But when we make bad decisions, there are bad results, and therefore bad repercussions, and they're bad to take. So that's one type of suffering, suffering because of our own types of decisions and sinfulness. 
Then there's suffering that we endure for Christ's sake. That is, bearing the name of Christ and living a life uh, for him and proclaiming and, and doing what he's called us to do. And people will mock you, spit on you, sick their dogs on you. I have scars on my leg right now. Um, I went knocked on a door one day. Nobody came to the door. And I uh, was walking out, started down this, these steps. And just about the time I got to the end to the steps, I heard somebody say, sick him. And that dog grabbed my britches leg and took a big bite back here on the back of my heel and grabbed my britches, tore my britches. My meat would grow back, but he tore my britches. <laughs> I just prayed for the folks and X'd them off my visitation list. There's all types of things that you and I are going to endure for Christ's sake. We're going to be ostracized. Let me tell you, I want you to hold me, hold me to this and see if my prophecy is true. You and I are going to be ostracized because of who we are and what we believe. And you and I are going to face some of the most difficult days we have ever faced. Even so, come Lord Jesus. There's suffering that we endure for Christ's sake. Then there's suffering that arises simply because we're living in an imperfect world. Would you agree with that? John chapter 15, verses 18 through 20, uh, tells us that there's issues that we're going to have to face. So we have the relationship of suffering to the Christian life. We have the reality of suffering in the Christian life. And you and I are going to have to face these. Second Corinthians chapter one and verse five. I wish I had time to read all of these today, but uh, our time is short. Philippians one and verse 29, Philippians three and verse 10. Second uh, Timothy three and verse 12, first Peter four, 12 and 13. Every one of these verses reminds us of what we are going to have to face. Then we see the reasons for suffering in the Christian life, and there are several of them. Suffering proves the reality of our faith. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 7, notice um, what it says for us. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 7. Honey, did you take 1 Peter out of my Bible? I know it's in here somewhere. Yes, right after. There we go. First Peter chapter one and verse seven. That the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor and glory at the revelation of Christ. In other words, that which you have been given is your faith in Jesus Christ. And then in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verses 5 through 11, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 11, and it says this. He, is, he in, encourages us to endure God's chastening. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, 
nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. So suffering proves the reality of our faith. You know, one of the true ways of proving that you are a child of God is that if you are not focusing your life on your relationship to him, that um, he will take you to the woodshed. That's what chastening means. And he says, if I don't chasten you, you're an illegitimate child. Now, the old King James uses a, a word that we won't speak here. But um, if you're reading from the King James, you'll see that it's a pretty profound word. It's simply saying that if, if God does not chasten us, then we are not his own. I mean, you don't go around whooping other kids, do you? you? You might whoop your own. Now, I have to say that I did whoop some, some of my neighbor kids. I told, their, I told their parents they would ride to church with us. We'd have a van full of kids. And you know how, what, what that is. And um, I told the parents, I said, and the parents would say to me, now you treat them just like your own. I said, okay. <laughs> and so I never forget one night, we're coming back from church. And, um, well, you know, it was like four or five boys in the, in the van, four or five girls in the van, Jan and me, and we're going and it's tight. And you know how little boys are when they start acting up and cutting up and and how little girls squeal and holler and all that stuff when the boys are acting up and cutting up and, and uh, all the other things that little boys do. And uh, I warned them. I said, cut it out, guys. It's time to stop. Uh, warned them again. And the third time was about all I could take. I said, okay. I pulled over on the side of the road. I said, everyone need to get out of the van right now and take the position. What do you mean take the position? I said, put your hands up on the van like this and bend over. I started at one end and whooped them all, all the way down. It was a nice quiet ride home from there. Suffering proves the reality of suffering also promotes our dependence upon God. You know, when things are going easy, we say, oh, it, we got it, God. When things are going our way. But now we have to really understand that we're going to have to depend on the Lord like we've never depended on him before. Suffering also purifies our relationship with God. I want to tell you, if you're not right with God, you better get right. Because, uh, and what I mean by that is, if you don't have a daily walk with the Lord... You need, to, you need to be sure because you will not be able to bear up under all that you're going to face. Everything that you and I count as precious is going to be literally destroyed. God is going to use that refining fire just to see if we're who we say we are. 
Suffering purifies our relationship with God. Suffering also produces endurance in our lives. How does it do that? Well, it just, we, we think that we just can't get through. I don't know about you, but I am, I'm ambivalent here. I'm looking forward to the future because I know Jesus is coming. But I want to tell you, I am not looking forward if he, if he hesitates and somehow waits to let these next four years play out. I'm not looking forward to that. So suffering produces endurance. And I really believe with all of my heart that the grace of God absolutely will never, the, the, that the Holy Spirit of God will never lead us where the grace of God cannot keep us. And I really believe that God will be purging us and purifying us and he's going to uh, allow us to see that we need to promote our dependence upon God and realize that without him, we have no hope, but with him, we have all hope. Suffering also prunes us for greater effectiveness. You know, in John chapter 15, it talks about the husbandman there. It talks about the vine and the branches. And for those, I want to tell you, it says, you know what happens to those who are not bearing any fruit? He says that they cut them off. They purge them. Now, does that mean, does that parable there or that story that Jesus is teaching there, is that saying that people can lose their salvation? Absolutely not. It's just saying simply this. That if we call ourselves Christians and we call ourselves the, the church of God and we call ourselves the mighty uh, army of God, onward Christian soldier marching us to war with the cross of Jesus going on before. You and I are, are going, we literally every day should wake up realizing that we're in a spiritual battle and it's going to, it's going to produce out of us and through us and in us to see if we really have been pruned and gotten off all those things that we don't need and we're focused on all those things that we do need. So it's going to prune us. Suffering also provokes courage in other believers. I'm glad to know that there are some that believe just like me. Amen. It, it gives me significance. That's why coming to church and being a part of the body of Christ is so important. Belonging to a, a local body of believers where I know that I am known as I and, and I can know as I am known. And that there is a body of people that I know that I can trust, that I can look to and they will stand with me and for me and we can stand together. So it provokes courage in other believers. Also, suffering provides opportunities for witness. Let me tell you, this is going to be, I believe with all of my heart, the greatest opportunity for you and me because this world, it, believe me, the Bible tells us it's going to get darker and darker and darker. But guess what the Bible says that you and I are? You and I are. We are the light of the world. In other words, Jesus is the light of the world. He lives in us. And everywhere there's darkness and light comes in, it kind of pushes darkness out. And this is going to be the greatest opportunity, I believe, for you and me as a church to witness and to share the gospel even though we will suffer having to do it and everything we believe is going to be challenged but it will be I believe an opportunity for that last 
last chance. I believe this is our last chance to get the gospel to people who need to be saved. And that is the only way it will change the direction of this country, the direction of this world, and the direction of a, of a hard heart. Only the gospel can penetrate and do that. And then suffering prepares us to reign with Christ. Glory to God, there's coming a day. Oh, what a day. Oh, what a glory that will be. And I'm going to preach about that next week. About the glory of God. But suffering prepares us to reign with Christ. So what is our response then to the suffering in the Christian life that he warns us about here? Because he tells us, you got all the good things about Christ. Well, guess what all else you got in the package deal? He says, you also will suffer with Christ. There are three aspects of the spiritual life that are necessary to equip any of us to be able to endure what we're going to have to face. What is our response? The first is preparation. Acts 14 verses 19 through 22 tells us that we need to be prepared. How do we prepare? It says, then Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there and having persuaded the multitudes, listen to this, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and he went into the city and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derby. Let me ask you something today. Are you willing to stand for the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel? And are you willing to face the angry crowd? And those who want to destroy anything that has to do with God. It's not going to be easy. First Thessalonians chapter three, verses two and four is a passage as well that tells us that we will have to bear those things. But there's preparation and right now is the time to prepare. Right now. The second thing is memorization. Why is memorization so important? Let me tell you something, folks. In 1963, 62, 63, they took the reading of this book out of the public education system of this world. I remember... Growing up in Oakland, going to grammar school, all eight years in that little bitty four-room schoolhouse, right where that strip mall is right now. That's where the old Oakland school was. I can tell you, I can still tell you the teachers. You had two grades in each class. You had Miss Mildred Hines taught first and second grade. Miss Mays Webb taught third and fourth grade. Miss Elizabeth Irwin taught fifth and sixth grade. And Miss Mary McFadden taught seventh and eighth grade. 
She stood about this tall. And she would take her finger like that right there. That knuckle. And she'd walk around and she was like, she was like a ninja. She would just appear. And if you were not doing what you were supposed to be doing, she just walked by you and just bopped you right on top of the head with that knuckle right there. And when you, listen, if you cut up and acted, listen, those teachers that, that we had, they'd be in prison today. <laughs> if we measured them by today's standards. When you got a whooping, you didn't go. She was the principal. You go, you go up to her desk in front of everybody and take the position. It didn't matter if you were male or female. She ran that school with an iron fist. And now today, kids are jumping up in teachers' faces, cursing them, spitting on them. Whew, we need some more Miss Mary McFadden's. Why do we need to memorize God's word? You need to hide God's word in your heart so that you might not sin against him. But also, he will make it a, as the scripture says, how shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That's what we've got to do to memorize because, listen, if they, if they took it out in the 60s, next thing you know, the Ten Commandments can't be posted anywhere publicly. We, we, we won some of that back, a little bit of that back. But I want to tell you, it's coming. They're coming after this And you, if you don't have this in your heart, then when they take it away from you, you won't have it anymore. Put God's word in your heart. Drill it into the hearts of your children. Let them know. So preparation and memorization, Isaiah 43 and verse 2, 1 Peter 4 and verse 13, 1 Peter 5, 10 and 11, Psalm 138 and verse 7, and then finally 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9, and then third is dedication. Preparation, memorization, and dedication. How are we going to face the struggles that we're going to face and the attacks we're going to face? We're going to do it through dedication I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present yourselves your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God which is your reasonable service and be not conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may be able to prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. Memorization.
When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you, to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. And though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities than the power of Christ, may, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, great British preacher, known as the Prince of Preachers, was fired from his first church that he pastored because he wouldn't stop studying and start visiting. Yeah, that's right. He was fired because he studied too much. He was one, his, his sermons still reverberate throughout all of Christendom. These are some words that he gave us. And I believe they're very fitting for today. Serve God, he says, with all of your might while the candle is burning. And then when it goes out for a season, you will have less to regret. Be content to be nothing, for that is what you are. When your own emptiness is painfully forced upon your consciousness, chide yourself that you ever dreamed of being full except being full in the Lord. Continue with double earnestness to serve your Lord when no visible result is before you. Any simpleton can follow the narrow path in the light. Faith, rare wisdom, enables us to march on in the dark with infallible accuracy since faith places her hand in that of her great guide. The words of the great prince of preachers. Are you, are you ready to count the cost? If any man wants to be my disciple, he must take up his cross daily and follow me. There was a man who lived in Romania. He was teaching 
a class of young boys of what it meant to surrender it all to Jesus Christ. And here is a quote from one of those individuals. He says, I remember the class before I, ever, before I left Romania. I took a group of 10 to 15 boys and girls on a Sunday morning, not to church, but to the zoo. I stood them before the cage of lions and I told them, your forefathers in faith were thrown before such wild beasts for their faith. Know that you also will have to suffer. You will not be thrown before lions but you will have to do with men who would be much worse than lions. Decide here and now today if you wish to pledge allegiance to Jesus Christ. It says that they all had tears in their eyes and they all said yes. Because he closes with this, he says, we have to make the preparation now before we are imprisoned. In prison, you lose everything. You are undressed and you're given a prisoner's suit. No more nice furniture, nice carpets, or nice curtains. You don't have a wife or any family or any children there for you to comfort and be comforted. You do not have your library and you never see a flower. Nothing of what makes life pleasant remains. Nobody resists who has not renounced the pleasures of life beforehand. Are you ready to count the cost? Dare to be a Daniel. Dare to stand alone. Dare to have a purpose, purpose firm. Dare to make it known. I want to say that one more time. Dare to be a Daniel. Dare to stand alone. Dare to have a purpose firm. Dare to make it known. Lord, we thank you today for your word. Thank you for the challenge that is before us. We accept the challenge because we know, Lord, that you are God and there is none other. We know that you have a purpose and plan in everything. And because of that, Lord, we know and believe without a shadow of a doubt that your word is true, your promises are sure, and that you 
promise to never leave us nor forsake us to be with us always and that you will be with us. But we will have to take a stand. And so today I pray as we close this service, is there someone here who's never trusted you? They're not prepared for what's coming. And so today, right now, Lord, I would pray that they would open their heart as your Holy Spirit is speaking to them, that they would allow the Holy Spirit of God as he's wooing and calling and drawing to just simply move upon their heart to say yes to Jesus Christ today. And just as the children there standing before the lions in the zoo, may we realize today that standing with you, that we're going to stand and we're going to be able to overcome. No matter what may be thrown at us or how we may be thrown around or tossed around or how we may be discouraged, but we know, Lord, that you are with us and that you will guide and protect us. And so, Lord, I pray that today that they would open their heart and say yes to you so that they will be prepared. And then, Lord, as we're prepared, Lord, may we also hide your word in our heart. And then, Lord, may we continue to see your hand and your protection in our lives. Because, Lord, your word is the most sure thing that we can have. And so I pray today that we would be good students hiding your word, making our plans to be serious and prepared and ready uh, for the days ahead. Because, Lord, um, we're, going to, we're going to see, I believe, with all my heart, some very difficult and troubling days. But we know, Lord, that it's all a part of your plan, and we're going to see you through it. So, Lord, bless your children. Bless those who would make a decision for you today. And Lord, what a great time for us today as a church to just bow our heads and to pray and to ask ourselves this question. If any man wants to be my disciple, he must take up this cross daily and follow me. And what does that mean? It means whatever it takes to make you Lord of our lives. That's what it takes. Would we be willing today to bow and commit to following you every day and to get serious about our relationship with you and sharing the gospel everywhere that we go. So Lord, be with us. We're trusting you, looking to you as the author and finisher of our faith. We know how the story began. We know how it's going to end. Lord, just be with us to get us through to the end. And we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Sunday Sermons. If you want to learn more about us, visit warrencommunitychurch.org.